Welcome to the Vincennes First Church of God Sermon Podcast. My name is Will Huebner. I'm the lead pastor. And we're so thankful that you've decided to tune in and listen to us today. We hope that through this message and the Word of God, you will find not only that you are challenged, but that you are encouraged. Here at Vincent's First Church, we believe that it's our job to create kingdom culture. And we hope that you'll join us Sundays at 10 o'clock. We love you and enjoy. I understand that it's rather strange to show up to church on Sunday and there be a casket in the sanctuary. But I would like to tell you today that it is equally strange to call and ask to borrow one. (laughs) But my hope today is that this will be a lesson or a Sunday that you'll never forget. And I hope this scripture that I'm going to read will illuminate why there is a casket in front of you. Matthew 23, 27 through 28 says this, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and uncleanliness. So you who also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you, you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Today we're continuing this series, Professional Christian, a series about understanding how we as believers can easily become pharisaical for religious arrogance to sneak in and cloud our hearts and minds. See, we can get so caught up in learning how to look the part but not bearing the character of God, attempting to appear holy or religious, but never really surrendering our hearts. Here in Scripture, I think Jesus is dealing with our priorities, as if to ask us, do you spend as much time on your integrity as you do your image? Does your heart reflect the Jesus that you you claim to follow? So beyond your actions, what about the heart behind what we do? We do not want this beautiful casket to represent our life. We don't want to be outwardly beautiful, but spiritually dead on the inside. In other words, what good is it to look like we're going to heaven if we're headed towards hell? See, the Pharisees weren't necessarily evil. Their dedication was admirable, but misguided. They had deep love and respect for God, but they lost sight of what mattered most. They fell for this ideology that that doing for God was more important than being with Him. That it wasn't enough to be saved by faith, it needed to be proven through self-discipline. Which wasn't all bad until you begin to boast in your own effort instead of God's grace. See, Jesus warns us that those who trust solely in the law are going to be held responsible to its impossible standard. Instead, Jesus came to free us from the law so that our time could be better spent focusing on the right things. Jesus had this interaction with the Pharisee where he was invited to his house for dinner. And Jesus didn't wash before eating. And the Pharisee saw this and he was bothered by it. He was shocked. Jesus, why didn't you wash your hands? That's kind of gross, dude. To which Jesus answers, why do you care so much about the outward? Don't you see that if you're clean on the inside, then the outward becomes clean as well? 
Now, hopefully the Pharisee didn't take this literally, but heard what Jesus is trying to say. Be less concerned with how you look and how you're perceived and more concerned about the the fruit that your life produces, not just to be beautiful on the outside and then rotten on the inside. So the question that we're left with this morning is, is, is what now? How do we clean our inside? How do we not become this casket? How do we make sure that we don't too become whitewashed tombs? This is the first piece. If you want to fill in the blanks, be righteous when no one is looking. Be righteous when no one is looking. I had a economics teacher in high school. His name was Mr. Self. So even just his name alone, you know where this is going. It's, it's going to be ridiculous. When we took tests, Mr. Self took it upon himself to take his chair and put it on top of his desk. And he would sit on the chair on top of the desk and he would proclaim to us, the academic lifeguard is on duty. He raised his field of vision so that he could see whether or not anybody was cheating. And it worked. The problem though is that his chair was on rollers. You see where this is going. All it took was one wheel to slip, and what was a good idea became a trip to the nurse's office. He fell, (laughs) in case you didn't connect those dots. But imagine if Mr. Self would have taken a different approach. What if he handed out the test and then left the room? What would have happened? It would have been way more tempting to cheat. See, these kind of situations are how we measure a person's integrity. Who are you when no one is looking? Or better yet, who are you where no one can look? Your heart, your mind, your soul. See, the Pharisees loved to put on a show. They loved to put on an act like they had it all figured out, partly because they believed that they did, but it blinded them to their own faults. Outwardly, their their behavior bore the image of righteousness, but inwardly, where nobody could see, they were full of hate and greed and pride. And their performance undermined their character and they just slowly became hypocrites because they became motivated by man's praise instead of by God's praise. I want to read to you Matthew 6, 5 through 6. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues where, where everybody can see them. I tell you the truth. That is all the reward that they will get. See, here in the scripture, we get a glimpse of their spiritual life and how it became motivated by ego. Slowly, over time, they replaced God and started worshiping their own image. They were leveraging prayer to look holy rather than using prayer to communicate with God, which reveals to us their downfall because they quit listening to God. And the divine voice that they heard started to sound a lot like their own. And this is what tripped up Israel again and again and again. They they, they decided to do what was right in their own eyes, which is not good because the way that seems right unto man only leads to death. We don't want to become people who walk around claiming to know God, but never talk to him, never hear from him. Guys, when our connection to God is damaged or or severed, we, we lose the sight of reality. We lose the sight of truth. 
And when we lose our connection to the truth, it compromises our integrity because then we become motivated by how we're perceived rather than just doing the right thing for the right reasons, which connects us to how this affects us on a daily basis, our thought life, because we don't always see the need to hold our thoughts accountable because we don't visibly see them. Maybe it's not you, maybe it's just me, but have you ever had this happen to you? Have you ever interacted with someone where you were calm and sweet to them in person, but the thoughts and words that were going through your head weren't exactly kind? See, I had to meet one of Stephanie's former boyfriends, and I was courteous in person, but on the inside, I wanted to punch this guy in the face. I looked pretty on the outside, but on the inside, I was wrestling with animosity. See, God tells us, no, 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 be righteous when no one is looking. Be righteous where no one can look. When Jesus came, he laid out a new standard or clarified the original standard because Jesus understood where our thought life can lead us. He tells us that out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the heart, the mind thinks, which means that our unfiltered thoughts can be seeds leading to hatred and bitterness. And when those thoughts are left unchecked, guess what? Our behavior eventually follows. And guys, I'm not trying to make you feel bad for every ignorant thought that, that's popped into your head, but if we don't surrender them to Jesus, we allow their potential to grow. And, and I don't even think that every evil or hateful thought originates in us or comes from us. So, so the, the thought itself isn't necessarily sin, but we've got to understand that what we choose to do with those thoughts matters. 2 Corinthians 10, 5 through 6. We are demolishing arguments and ideas, every high and mighty philosophy that, that pits itself against the knowledge of the one true God. We are taking prisoners of every thought, prisoners of every emotion, and subduing them into the obedience of the anointed one. And as soon as you choose obedience, we stand ready to punish every act of disobedience. Another translation calls us to, to take every, every thought that we have, take it captive to obey Christ. The question is, how, how do we do that? How do we recognize and surrender every vile and deceitful thought that we have? To me, the answer is always prayer. But maybe it's not prayer in the sense that you imagined it. I don't think that it means that every time you have a bad thought, you have to pause, get on your knees, and have quiet time with God. And, and don't hear me wrong, that's great, but it's not always an option, especially because negative thoughts, they come at us from anywhere at any time. The Bible tells us to pray without ceasing, which obviously isn't a good idea if you're driving and you just define prayer as closing your eyes and, and speaking out loud to God. I want to challenge you this morning to think of it more like a text message. And with a text message, you're not always speaking, but that channel is always open. You're all, always ready to hear from God, and you're always ready to speak if you need to. So, so when bad thoughts invade your mind, it should be natural to jump back into conversation with God, to surrender those thoughts that you're wrestling with to Jesus. One of the things that I've been doing lately is that if I have a negative thought towards someone and I notice it, I try to apologize to God for thinking it, and then I take a couple minutes to pray for that person, asking God to bless them and to purify me with his fruit of the Spirit. 
The other thing that I try to do is I try to take time to think about the source of the thought. In other words, I I try to ask the question, why am I thinking this way? In 2003, I was a sophomore in high school, and the second Fast and Furious movie came out, and I went to see it in theaters. Now, I drove to the movies like a sane driver, obeying most of the traffic laws and speed limits. But after watching this movie, I drove home like the speed limits didn't matter, like they were just suggestions, which is a little bit comical because I drove a tiny silver Saturn. Do we have this picture? I just want you to imagine all 300 pounds of high school Will Hebner driving in this dinky silver Saturn like I deserve to be on a Fast and Furious movie. Ridiculous. But like that movie influenced me to drive faster than I should have, so too can our thoughts be led astray by bad influences. And and if we are continuing to have reoccurring thoughts that are negative, Sometimes beyond prayer, it's worth considering or taking time to analyze and ask ourselves, what is fueling these thoughts? Where are they coming from? And drawing boundaries and or distancing ourselves from the source can can help change that. Otherwise, we're always going to be stuck in that negative thinking so that we can be righteous, not just in appearance, but in our thought life as well. Be righteous when nobody's looking. Let me give you the next one. We need to learn to live honestly with God and man. Live honestly with God and man. When you walk by somebody and you say, hey, how are you? Most of the time, you really don't want to know. You're just saying hi. And even if you do want to know, you almost always receive this answer, hey, I'm, I'm good. And sometimes that answer couldn't be further from the truth. Let me ask you a question, rhetorical. Think about this. When's the last time you were honest and authentic to someone who asked you that question? When was the last time when somebody asked you how you were doing, you told them the truth? See, hypocrisy is exhausting, not in the sense that you're claiming to believe something that you're not living out, but pretending to be something that you aren't. Happy, good, I'm okay, I'm fine. Guys, I'm going to be honest with you, some of us deserve Oscars because we're so good at playing a role. I mean, can you imagine what social media would look like if it was forced to be honest? See, but it's exhausting to pretend that everything's perfect. It's exhausting to pretend that you're okay, especially when you're not. See, when you hold a a, a mask up over your face, guess what? Eventually your hand's going to get tired. And when you bury your emotions for too long, they resurface in ways that you might not prefer. I kind of want to ask us this morning, is it possible that you're struggling because you're trying to meet everybody else's expectations? I mean, even as Christians trying to fulfill this this human idea of how you're supposed to look and act, could it be possible that you're struggling to find happiness because you've been accepted for who you're pretending to be and not who you actually are? May we never forget that the God who made us loves us as we are. In fact, our quirks and our oddities are expressions of His character because you have been made in His image. And the pieces that this world have broken have been redeemed by his son's work on the cross. So Jesus hasn't merely set you free from sin. He set you free so that you can be you. 
so that you can be yourself, so that you can live honestly. And I understand that we're, we're not all broken in the same ways, but we are all loved in the same way. See, the Pharisees put so much pressure on themselves to fit this ideal image of perfection. But perfection is impossible, so it caused them to live as imposters, forced to hide their weaknesses rather than to give them to God. But that's a problem because it is honest living where Jesus gives God opportunity to be the strength in our weakness. I want to read Luke 18, 9 through 14. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed this. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes to all I get. But then the tax collector, standing far off, wouldn't even lift his eyes up to heaven, but he beat his chest saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be what? Will be exalted. See, the things that this Pharisee prayed, they're most likely true. He probably was thankful. That's not sinful. I pray and thank God almost every day that I'm not who I used to be. But think about what was omitted from this prayer. He never once asked for forgiveness. And it's one of the main pillars that, that Jesus teaches his disciples about prayer, to ask for forgiveness and the strength to forgive others. The tax collector, however, was heartbreakingly aware of his shortcomings, and he had the right mentality of how we stand before God, and that is to be humble. But notice how the scripture ends. Jesus is telling us how God rewards honesty. Admit your weakness before God and he will uphold you with his mighty right hand. See, God values honesty. And maybe sometimes we struggle seeing the point of confessing to an all-knowing God. He's like, he already knows. But he's wondering if you know. He's wondering if you're willing to admit it. And if you're willing to be honest, he's willing to exalt you, to pick you up out of the dirt. It's a, it's a principle that I wish all of our children understood. You almost always get in less trouble if you're honest. Because you know what it does? Honesty shows ownership. And until we're willing to own up, the possibility for transformation and change will be stifled. In other words, God cannot be strengthened your weakness if you can't admit that you're weak. And I understand that that's a scary place. But let us not forget that Scripture reminds us that it is God's perfect love that casts out fear. Jesus is telling us you don't, you don't need to fear God because the blood of the covenant redeems us. So we need not fear God because he wants to help us find freedom. And more than being honest with just God, I think it's important for us also to be honest with man. James 5, 15 through 16 says this, And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. James gives us this idea in Scripture that confessing to God brings forgiveness, but confession to one another, our brothers and sisters in Christ, brings healing. 
illuminating our need to band together and war against the enemies of the Spirit, but also reminding us yet again not to let our ego get in the way of collaboration. Because if we give off this idea that we've got it all figured out, guess what? We're not approachable. But showing our reliance on God and, and being honest with our struggles, we invite others to join us on our journey towards holy or right living. Because guess what? At the end of the day, we are all just broken people trying to figure it out. So we might as well be trying to figure it out together. As I said last week, two are better than one for a triple braided cord is even better because I wonder at what number does that cord become unbreakable? Let me give you one more. Heal your heart. To heal your heart, you have to see beyond yourself. To heal your heart, you have to see beyond yourself. I want to show you a a picture that I took. It's of a mountain lion. And when you look at this picture, one of the things you might think is, you were way too close to this animal. To get a close-up picture like that, how close were you? Well, this is my camera lens. And it's got a pretty good zoom on it. So even though it looks like I was right next to that animal, I wasn't anywhere near it, and I'm very grateful for that. This lens is really, really neat. It allows me to take pictures of things that are far away. But here's the problem with this lens. Anything that's nine feet or closer will always be blurry. Though I can see things that are far away, it blinds me to the things that are right next to me. It was okay for the Pharisees to focus on themselves. It's okay for us to focus on ourselves. It's okay for us to take care of ourselves. The problem is their focus never changed. And it blinded them to the people around them that needed their love and support. Luke 11:41 says this, but now as for what is inside of you, be generous to the poor and everything will be clean for you. Jesus doesn't just tell the Pharisees what they're doing wrong. He gives them insight on how to correct it. Take your eyes off yourself and serve by being generous to the poor. But what what does that mean? Let, Let us consider how we choose to define those words, generous and poor. The Greek word there is not strictly monetary, although at times we're called to be generous with our money, but it encourages us to be merciful and compassionate and empathetic towards others. And the poor may not just be financial, but it could be somebody who's mentally, spiritually, or emotionally poor at the time. Maybe somebody needs a smile or a hug or a card more than they need money. Maybe somebody needs to be encouraged with the promises of God. All we know is that by seeing others and seeking to be generous towards them, Jesus says that's how the insides are cleaned. Not in the sense where we earn God's favor through our generosity, but because we were designed by God to live in community with one another. 
and caring for each other literally heals our souls. I want to read to you Romans 15, 1 through 3. So now what? We who are strong are not just to satisfy our own desires. We are called to carry the weakness of those who are not strong. Each of us must strive to please our neighbors, pursuing their welfare so that they can become strong. The anointed one himself is our model for this kind of living, for he did it not to please himself. I love this verse because it calls on us to be like Jesus, called to carry weakness and and not judge failure, called to pursue our neighbor's welfare, not just to tend to our own wellness, called to follow Jesus unto his death so that we can share his life with everyone. I'm going to ask Charlie to come back up and we're going to say, This morning we have two choices. We can pour all of our effort into looking beautiful or we can die to ourself and live in Christ. You can't do both. And what Jesus is telling us today is that if you pour all your effort into your heart, the outward is going to change. As much as I hope you don't remember the Sunday there was a casket in the front, I want you to remember this is not your future. This is not what God wants for you. This is not how we impact the world, where people look inside the church and they go, ooh, those people look great. It doesn't matter what we look like. It matters how we act. Are we reflecting Jesus through the way that we live? Not not to earn his favor, but because it's naturally who we're becoming. And so we end up looking beautiful on the outside, not because we, were, we got our nails did, got a new haircut. No, we look good on the outside because our heart is pure and people begin to see that fruit through the way that we're patient with them, the way that we love people, the way that we're kind towards one another. That's the call today. We don't want to be Pharisees. We don't want to be whitewashed tombs. We we don't want to look pretty on the outside, but be full of dead bones on the inside. And the way that we do that is by caring for people around us. I don't know how you need to respond today. Maybe you need to respond and you just need to pray with God on your own and this altar is open for that. Maybe you need somebody to pray with you. This altar's open. Maybe you don't want to come anywhere near this casket. I understand that. You can pray wherever you are. But don't miss out on an opportunity to talk to God today. And maybe, just maybe, you need to take this song and be quiet and listen to what God is trying to tell you this morning.